Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. You know, a couple years ago, I decided to do this extended uh, water fast, and a water fast means no food, only water. So I, I decided to do this extended water fast. It was January, the whole church was fasting. And I wanted to go 21 days. That was my goal. And I hit the 11th day. I woke up and I felt great. But that night of the 11th day, my body just went crazy. I began to shake and uh, my blood pressure, I was checking it, it shot up. And um, I was just absolutely shocked. So I decided to Google and I Googled and found out my electrolytes were probably out of order. So I ate two bananas, everything calmed down and I went to bed. I broke my fast. I woke up the next morning and I decided I haven't had coffee now for 12 days. I'm going to have a cup of coffee. Now, I drink my coffee plain. I don't put anything in it. And I like it really strong. And so I made my coffee like I always make my coffee. I took a sip and it was the grossest taste I've ever tasted in my life. And I spit it back into the cup. It was so bitter and so gross. And I thought, well, I'll have to try that again tomorrow. And uh, so later in the day I decided to have some vegetables wasn't ready for meat yet and uh, Gina had stir-fried some vegetables so I gave them a shot and uh, warmed them up and I had to spit them back out because they were so salty and I asked her I said did you do anything different she said no she just she's a little tiny pinch of salt person and so she said I just put what I always do and I learned something from that fast I learned that it cleansed my palate and things I was usually able to put up with I no longer could put up with them. They just tasted bitter and too strong. Now, of course, I drink coffee. I'm drinking it right now. So I went back to it. You can go back to anything. But today I want to talk about a spiritual exercise that doesn't cleanse your natural taste buds, but it literally cleanses our soul to where things that God says are bad, they're literally distasteful to us. It's an amazing thing. And we're going to talk about this incredible uh, exercise today. If you're visiting... I um, want to welcome you to gold. We decided to wrap a series around the Olympics. Here's these incredible athletes. They're training like crazy. They're dedicated. And what are they doing it for? They do it for a gold medal. And you know, the Bible teaches us that we're in a race. And I figured, hey, we can learn from how they train. And we, we can train spiritually. We can learn how to win our spiritual gold medals. Because all of you have an opportunity to win these incredible rewards for all of eternity. So here's our text. It's 1 Corinthians 9:24, and it reads like this. In a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets first prize. So run your race to win. So every Christian's in a race. Once you accepted Jesus, you were entered into a race. Your race ends when you die. So when you die, you, you leave here, and if you're a Christian, you go to heaven because you can't work your way there. It's by the grace of God. So you go because you believed in Jesus. Boom, you go to heaven. It's awesome. But when you arrive, Jesus is going to reward you for how you lived your Christian life, how you ran your race. Your race is how you live your Christian life. He's going to reward you, and he's going to give you treasures and rewards. And all of us want to hear, great job, well done. I'm really proud of how you lived your Christian life. So for someone that's visiting maybe today or you weren't here the first two weeks, just want to remind you, here's our, here, here's our race. Our race is to love and live for Jesus. And to love God, love Jesus simply means, remember what Jesus said? 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your will, all your strength, all your emotion. It just means he's the most important thing in all the world to you. Well, he saved us. Aren't we all grateful? So we just, we love him with everything that's in us. That's something we can grow in. And then if you love him, the next thing you'll want to do is live for him. It's like, Jesus, you saved me. You set me free in all these areas. I want to help you fulfill your agenda on planet Earth. And what's God's agenda? God is trying to connect the world with him. He's trying to bring people to Christ. And he does it primarily through local churches. And so you live for Jesus by just volunteering and helping in your church. And every time I see our volunteers out there and their smiling faces, guys, just thank you. Because you're helping us do uh, what, what Jesus needs to be done on planet Earth. So all of you have a specific race. There's specific things you can do to help. I'm going to do a series in the future here to just show you how to know what your place is. We're going to have a blast with that one. But then he goes on and here's what he talks about. He gets into chapter 10 and he teaches us that there's four things down here on this earth that we can get involved with that will literally take us out of our race. We'll just, we'll stop living and loving God. And so we're looking at one each week. Last week we looked at one. Here's the one for this week. It's 1 Corinthians 10.8. It says, and let's not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. So he's referring to the children of Israel when they were delivered from Egypt. And their race was stopped as they did these different things. Now, they were under the law of Moses. You and I will not fall dead if we're not sexually pure. But I, I can tell you this. It will pull you out of your race. It will distract you, pull you out of your race. And you'll never be able to love God and live for God. So we're going to talk about sexual purity today. And for some, it's going to be the first time in your life you ever heard somebody talk about this in church for some of you it might shock you because we live in a culture that's very sex crazed today and so we're going to talk about God's standard today and we're going to have a great time as we talk about the standard of God and I'm just going to take a couple minutes on that because what I really want to emphasize is the spiritual exercise that will change your life and enable you to be pure not just sexually but in every area of your life. So you know how I always say there's one thing I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than you've ever understood? Here it is right here today. Your atmosphere becomes your inner sphere. And the atmosphere you and I allow ourselves into, that's literally going to become part of us and it's going to fill us up on the inside. So the spiritual exercise I want to talk about today, it's just a supercharged atmosphere that can just flood the inside of you and give you this incredible strength to be pure because we need the grace of God in our lives to be pure. So I want to tell you a story. When I was uh, just ready, before I went to Bible school, I, I got out of the gym business, and I needed a job, so I went into this machine shop. I was a machinist apprentice for a year and a half, and one of the jobs they gave me was welding. And this machine shop was owned by a bronze company, and we welded all these bronze pieces so they could be machined, and we machined them. So being the rookie, they had me do all the welding, and so I welded bronze pieces for a year, a year and a half. And all we had was a garage door. I stood near a garage door, no ventilation. And I didn't have a mask. I had the helmet to protect my eyes. Did that for a year and a half. And uh, about 10 years later, I'm pastoring believers. I'm now here. I'm graduated from Bible school. I decided to go to a holistic doctor. And one of the things he did was he gave me this live blood cell test. And it was amazing. He took the test. The next day I came in and he, he showed me my, my, what was in my blood. And I was shocked. Did you know I had eggs in my blood? And 
And he goes, you have eggs in your blood. I said, and so I said, why? He said, well, you can't digest them. Something with your body doesn't digest eggs well. He says, do you have a, an allergic reaction to eggs? I said, it's small, but I do. I put up with it because I like eggs. But I said, there is a small reaction. He said, well, your body can't digest it. It gets in your blood, and that's what gives you the allergic reaction. Then he said, there's something else in your blood I want to talk to you about. And I said, what's that? He said, uh, see that right there? I said, yeah. He said, that's bronze. He said, did you ever weld bronze? And I'm like, are you a psychic? How do you know? He said, it's in your blood. I said, that was 10 years ago. He said, yeah, once it gets in there, your body just can't get rid of it. He said, it won't hurt you. You should be fine. But he said, I just was wondering why it was there. And I learned in the natural, what we breathe in the air, uh, your atmosphere becomes your inner sphere physically. But you know what? It's the same spiritually. And uh, we're going to talk about this supercharged atmosphere today. But first, let me set the standard. And each week, I'm giving you a little highlight from the Olympics. So I want to show you Charles Austin. Uh, in 1996, in Atlanta, at the Olympic Games, he won the gold medal for the high jump. So this isn't the one with a pole, not pole vaulting. He literally just jumps, and he won the high jump. But not only did he win it, he set an Olympic record. So you're going to see the crowd go crazy. And I want to talk to you about some parallels in what he did. So let's check this video out. believe a human being can jump that high that's amazing now again they're going crazy because he broke an olympic record he's in america so this is an american crowd they went nuts as you could see but you know what that reminded me first of all just a side note that reminded me of what's going to happen when you go to heaven do you know that if you volunteer here at believers every person that we connect with god every person that comes becomes a christian they'll be waiting for you up in heaven and they're going to be going yeah yeah thank you and you might think what did i do well you helped it all happen all our volunteers help it happen. So guys, thank you so much. Now you see the picture of him behind me? Do you see uh, the parallel bar that he's jumping over? The, the post that holds it, do you know what they call that post? It's called the standard. I think that's really cool. And do you know once a competition begins, the standard can go up and down, but it cannot be moved. The base cannot be moved the slightest fraction of an inch. And if it is, the, the contest has to all start over. Everybody has to redo all their jumps. And why is that? The standard has to be the same for every single jump. And you know what our standard is? It's the Bible. That's the standard. And you and I will never know God's standards unless we look into the Bible. But here's what I like about it, the parallel. You know, we can't change the Bible. Culture's changed, but the Bible hasn't changed. And so you and I can't we can't live our life according to culture. We have to dig in and say, what does God say? And then we begin to live our life according to the standard. But you know what else I like about the high jump? You keep getting a little higher. You can, you can raise the standard. And so here's, here's my heart. I just want everybody to walk out here. Some of you are right where you need to be. But man, if you're struggling in the area of purity, I, I want this to be a moment where you raise the bar. And you just raise the standard because you now know the standard of God. So I'm going to share one scripture with you, all right? This is a, the standard scripture. And it reads like this, 1 Corinthians 6.16. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much about spiritual mystery as physical fact. So it's physical, but it goes deeper than that. It says, as written in scriptures, 
The two become one. That's, that's our marriage. That's letting us know he's talking about marriage. Verse 17, since we want to become spiritually one with the master, with God, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that never becomes one. This, the, the message did an incredible job with the Greek language here. So I want to just point out a couple of things to you. We're talking about marriage and how sex was created for marriage. That's what verse 17, commitment's referring to marriage. And so if you're not married, you avoid commitment. And then there's no intimacy there because of the lack of commitment. That intimacy comes with commitment. And this is just an amazing scripture to me because take a look at this. It says we can't become spiritually one with God if we're not pure. It just keeps us from having that close walk with God and it takes us from our race. So God's heart is for us to be sexually pure and this is one of hundreds of scriptures that talk about it and to me it's just absolutely amazing but I, I share, I'm transparent for a reason and um, you know before I met Jesus I was very sexually active and one thing I remember, this sticks in my mind guys, is afterwards, I was closest with my brother Tony because Jim was already married, Mike was still in school, so Tony and I uh, were very close, we hung out together, and him and I would always say to each other, after a sexual of, 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 you know, activity, we'd say, I'm so empty. We'd just say, we're empty. And we were always empty. And it wasn't that it wasn't fun when it happened, but then you're empty. And then I got saved and read the Bible, became a Christian, and I thought, that's why. It, it was meant for the marriage union. And then it absolutely all makes sense. I want to share a study with you. This is the University of Chicago sexual behavior study. Remember, guys, this is a secular university. They weren't trying to prove the Bible. They probably were trying to disprove it. And here's what they discovered. The highest level of sexual satisfaction is between married, conservative Christians. Now, conservative Christian, that language just means an evangelical it just, an evangelical is just someone that believes the only way to heaven is through Jesus and the Bible is God speaking to us. So here's what they discovered. The highest level of sexual satisfaction is between married conservative Christians. And it blew their mind. They were expecting us to be the fuddy-duds and for that not to be true. And they take the survey. And, and the reason I share this survey is it proves the Bible's true, right? And it's sexy to be a Christian, right? So it's a good thing. <laughs> All right. Bad joke, worst bad joke of the day, all right? So, it was created for marriage, right? So here we go. I want to talk to you about what you and I can do to become more and more sexually pure. How can we become more and more sexually pure? And there's an exercise that creates an extreme atmosphere, a really cool atmosphere. It's called worship. And I like to say it this way, worship is the atmosphere of heaven. So we just sang worship songs today, right? And every time we sing worship songs, it's literally the atmosphere of heaven. And here's why. If you were to read Revelations chapter 4, chapter 5, the book of Ezekiel, every time they show you a glimpse of heaven, what's happening always in heaven? Worship is going on. You know how air is the oxygen uh, of, of this earth? It's the atmosphere of this earth. We need air to live and breathe. Heaven's atmosphere is worship. And when you and I worship here, here's what happens. The atmosphere of heaven comes upon us. Or I like to say God's presence comes upon us. And it's not weird, guys. I'm not talking about something weird. 
Um, and I always say this because it's important. If you've been hearing length of time, can you all agree I'm a normal guy? I'm just a really normal person. I like action movies and like to see the good guy kill everybody and all, all those things. I like sci-fi movies. And last night, our grandkids stayed over because Joe was preaching in Houston, or south of Houston, Texas today. So we have the grandkids. And I always tell them a story. I, ma I, I make up these creative stories. And at bedtime, I tell them a funny story. And uh, it's always really creative. And so they said, Papa, you've got to tell a story. Tell a story. So Gina was downstairs cleaning up uh, the beautiful mess they made. And uh, so she said, you tuck them in. So I'm telling them the story. And here's all I'll tell you about the story. It had magic toots in it. And uh, the magic toots took them to the center of the earth. And they met these center of the earth people who had white skin because they never saw the sun. And then to get back, they had to do another magic toot to get back up to their room. And it was incredible. They were laughing and they had a great time. I'm a normal guy, but <laughs> listen, maybe even abnormal, right? But I go more towards the guy side. So worship is not weird. It's incredible. And it literally is the atmosphere of heaven. And it literally brings the very life, the very presence of God upon us. It's an amazing, amazing thing. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the presence of God that comes through worship because it, it gets inside of us and it gives us the strength to resist. It gives us, it cleans our emotional and our soulish palate to where things that God says are wrong really feel wrong to us, just like that water fast did for my, my taste buds. It's an amazing, amazing thing. So here's a scripture for us just to take a look at. This is uh, Psalm 22.3. And it goes like this. You are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Now, of course, God's made us part of his family, so this is true with the church. So God literally comes down, his throne or his presence comes down when we worship. The voice Bible says it this way. So you are holy, you make your home on the praises of Israel or the church today. So worship brings God's presence. I want to tell you something else about music. This is really important. Can we all agree that any time words are attached to a melody, we remember them? They kind of stick with us. They get in us deep, don't they? And all of us can go back to high school and we hear a song. It's like, you can, we can begin to sing that whole song. It gets inside of us. Well, I was recently in a store and I'm walking through the store. I'm checking out and I hear this song. I only hear one verse of it, but it was so cool. It had the melody I liked. I liked the words that I heard. And so I walked out of that store and I couldn't stop singing the song. It just shows you the power of when words are attached to melody. So I went home and I'm just not thinking and I'm singing it and Gina goes, what's that song? I said, I don't know. I have to get on Spotify and find out what this is because I don't know what it is, but it's really cool. I don't even know the name of it, but I love this verse. And she said, that's a cool verse. So a couple days later, I'm, I'm in my office. I'm, I'm, I have my door open. People are coming in for a meeting. My son Joe comes in first and he goes to the Couric and... Uh, He's making coffee, and then without thinking, I sing a verse, the verse of the song, the only verse I know. And, and he looked at me, his eyes were, what are you doing, Dad? Do you realize what you're singing? I'm like, yeah, I know what it is. So, so here's the song. It, it goes like this. It's all about the bass, about the bass, no treble. It's all about the bass, about the bass, no treble. That's the only part of the song I heard. <laughs> I'm singing it everywhere I go. <coughs> And uh, so I learned a couple lessons. Never sing a song unless you know every part of the lyric. Um, 
Joe goes, Dad, that's about a woman's bottom and this and that. I said, Joe, I thought it was the bass guitar. I said, I love the bass guitar. And I trebles the high notes, bass the low notes. I said, isn't that what it's about? He goes, Dad, Google the lyrics. So I didn't. I said, oh, man, I've been singing that everywhere. I'm walking around the town singing it, you know. It's bad. It's bad. So, so I said all that to say the other part of worship that's really cool is it's, it's, the worship is scriptural. It has the Bible in it. So it gets the Bible in you. It's amazing. Can you imagine? I heard it one time and I'm just singing it. That's what happens when I leave here on Sunday. I begin to sing some of these songs. and I'll sing them all week because I was just in service today. And so it's an amazing way, like we talked last week, to get the Bible inside of us. But it also brings the very presence of God. It's amazing. So here's what I do. And I know for some of you, you're never going to be able to start out the way I, I do. But I'm going to give you a first step. And you're going to like the first step. But I wake up in the morning, I told you last week, I, first thing I do is read, I, I do my Bible reading. Second thing I do is I put on a worship list I have on Spotify. And you can use anything you have, cassette tapes, CDs, it doesn't matter what, what your method is. Um, I put my worship on and I'm in the basement, I'm in a dimly lit room on purpose and I just start to pace. So I read my Bible, now I'm just pacing and I'm just walking around and I begin to pray for people. I'll begin to pray for you guys and different things. And then uh, I'll eventually sit down and one of the songs I'll just act like I'm right in front of God and I just sing the song to him, just like we do here. And I just sing it. And then I usually do one song. Sometimes I do two. Depends. But then I'll get back up and I'll pace a little more, pray, and then I'm done. And then I go and I'm shaving and, uh, and, and then I put worship music on because it's the atmosphere of heaven. I want to just tell you, you talk about an incredible time in your life and I do it just because I need the presence of God on me so I'm not grouchy. I mean, that's, I do it for a lot of reasons, not just the one I'm talk, talking about. It just floods you with God's life, and then I have peace, and I'm happy, and I have some joy, because I'm, by nature, very negative. So it's just a good thing for me to get in there myself just for those reasons. It's so powerful. So some of you are sitting here saying, Pastor, I cannot block out that much time. Well, you could do one song. You could do it once or twice a week. Once you taste it, you'll want more. But here's a good first step. What if you just put it on in your car and you just said, all right, I have to drive. I'm going to just put some worship music on. Or when you're shaving or getting ready, doing your hair, whatever, what if you just played some worship music? It would bring the atmosphere of heaven. It's absolutely amazing what it does. So I had this guy, he heard me teach this about a year ago. He heard me talk about it. And so he grabbed me and he said, Pastor Joe, I got to tell you something. When I first heard that, I said, that, that can't be true, that can't be true. So he said, I, I, I didn't have a devotional time in the morning, but I thought I'm going to play worship in my car. He said, I did it for close to a week, and he said, the most amazing thing happened. He said, I started to feel God's life and God's presence. He said, one day I was driving to work, I had to pull over and literally had to stop my car and worship God with one of the songs. He said, it's absolutely amazing what it's done for my life. Why worship? It's the atmosphere of heaven. Your atmosphere becomes your inner sphere, and it's just starting to fill them up with life. So I want to close with a story. This is the coolest story ever. It's a Bible story, and it uh, has to do with this. Take a look at this picture. This is the Ark of the Covenant. Many of you know what it is. But God told Moses, build this thing. And then God said to Moses, I'm going to speak to you between the two angelic beings. And so God literally had fellowship or relationship with Moses as Moses just stood in front of the Ark. In the Old Testament, the ark is a type of God's presence 
on the earth. That's, that's all it is. It's just a type of you and I worshiping. As a matter of fact, whenever the children of Israel had to move from point A to B when they were in the wilderness for 40 years, guess what? God said the only way this can be carried, the priests have to put the post on their shoulders and they walk with it. So in my office, I have an ark with priests holding it. Uh, I picked it up when I was in Israel. It's just a little statue. But every time I'm working, I can look up and I see that. And it just reminds me of what happens when we worship. Because the Bible teaches us that if you're a Christian, listen to this. The Bible says Christians are priests under their gods. And part of our priestly ministry, it's not weird, is offering the incense or sacrifice of worship. And every time we worship, man, it's just going up to heaven, but then God's presence. And so see how it's on, they carry it on their shoulder? That's just, an, God wanted you to have an image that brings the presence of God into your life. It's absolutely amazing. So in the Bible, Israel was at war with the Philistines, and the Philistines won that battle. They stole the ark. The ark was in that city. They literally stole it, and they took the ark, and they put it in the temple of their god. They worshiped an idol. You know what the idol's name was? Dagon. You know what, what kind of god Dagon was? He was a sex god. He was, he was a sex god. So they worshiped a sex god. So they think, well, this is an idol too. This is Israel's idol. So they place it in their temple. And here's what happened. First Samuel 5, and it says this in verse 1. The Philistines took the captured ark of God from the battleground of Ebenezer to the temple of their idol Dagon in the city of Ashdod. But when the local citizens went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground before the ark of Jehovah. They set, it up, set him up again. But the next morning, the same thing had happened. The idol had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord again. This time his head and hands had been cut off and were lying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. This is all pictures for you. This, God gave us a picture here. And I want you to just think about it. What is God showing us here? When we worship, we'll have the strength to say no to sexual temptation. And it will bow to the very strength and presence of God. And it's just, to me, when I see it, I think, whoa. The at your atmosphere becomes your inner sphere. And you have the strength to resist and say no. And then things just don't feel right. You're, you're watching something and you think, oh, no, that's just not right. And you begin to have purity in your heart. And it just grows you in purity. It's the most amazing thing. So I want to close with a couple things. My challenge to you today is what it, wherever you're at, if, if you're not one to play worship music, just begin to play it when you're alone or in your vehicle. And my heart and my goal for you is, hey, slice out some time in the morning or at night where you just do a little bit of worship. Even if you just sit in it, it's the most amazing thing. And everything I told you today, you'll begin to see it. It's like that water fast. Every desire in you is going to begin to change and you're going to begin to disdain anything that God says isn't good. Now, there might be a few of you in here, you have a real sexual addiction. Um, and and it, you really struggle with pornography. You struggle with all kinds of thoughts in your mind. And I want to just give you a word of encouragement. I would encourage you to do two things. One, I, I encourage you to go to a professional Christian psychologist just to have them give you some tips and work with you on how to, how to think the right way. But the second thing I would encourage you to do is just put yourself in an atmosphere of worship more than the average person has to. You know how people are sometimes placed in oxygen tents? They're in their bed in a hospital, but they put them in an oxygen tank. So they have that supercharged oxygen that they're breathing in. helps them recover quicker. And if you're struggling in this area of your life, 
put yourself in a worship oxygen tank. And all I mean by that, guys, is this. Play it as often as you're alone so your mind begins not to be able to go squirrely on you. And you'll get strong enough to where you don't have to do it every, every time you're alone. But it's the most amazing thing what will happen to you. And I kind of look at it like this. How many of us remember when we were young, and some of you are currently young, there's certain things I would never do in front of my mom. If my mom or dad were there, I wouldn't do them, right? It's like, I got to do this behind a closed door. And uh, so just wouldn't do things in front of my mom and dad. But here's what's so cool about worship. You sense God's presence on your life. And so all of a sudden you begin to think, I can't do that. God's with me. And it just begins to change the very way you and I think. And it strengthens us. So I think I said enough. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Let's thank God for a moment. Lord, uh, we thank you for what we learned today. And Lord, I know for some I'm challenging them big time. And for others, they're the amen choir. Like, yes, Pastor Joe, that's true. And that works in my life. And Father, and then there's a bunch of people in between. You know my agenda, Lord. My goal is just to help us all raise the standard. So I thank you for a moment in time for us Christians where we can have a moment before you. And Lord, you know any area of our life that's not pure, they don't need me to make a list. You know what's not pure in our lives. And we know. And Lord, here's our prayer. We just thank you for helping us become people of your presence, become worshipers. And Lord, show all of us a strategy that we can work into our own lives right where we're at. And I thank you for doing that in every one of our lives, Lord God. Father, for people here that are hopeless, they've struggled with addiction in this area forever, I just thank you that this is a moment of hope. Thank you for giving them some things they can do to help free themselves, Lord God. Lord, for all of us, thank you for making us pure in every area of our life, not just this area. And Lord, thank you for making this so real to us today that we can literally energize us with the atmosphere of heaven so that this thing doesn't take us off course or any other thing and we're able to run our race. I thank you for doing that in every one of our lives. Now heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to give one more invitation. If you're here and you're not sure if you're forever, you're not sure if you were to die, if you'd go to heaven or hell, would, would you just listen for a moment? This is the most important words you're going to hear ever in your lifetime. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm not asking you um, if you grew up in church, if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. All great things. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you made it real with Jesus? That's all I'm asking. I was 19, and I'll never forget that day. I knelt down and I said, Jesus, I believe you're the Savior. I believe you're the only way to heaven, and I accept you. Can you remember a day when you did that? And if you say, Pastor Joe, I can't, why not today? Jesus said, whoever calls on my name, I'll save them. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to heaven but through me. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I don't remember a day like that, but I'm ready today. Would you pray with me right now? Everyone else in the room, would you help them out? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a, a sinner. I, I repent for all my sins. And this day I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe. I accept you as Savior. And I make a decision today to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.